Hi, and welcome to the Genesis Podcast. We're so glad to be able to bring a small portion of our community to you through this medium and hope that you'll join us in our endeavor to embolden one another to change the world by effectively representing Jesus Christ. If you would like to know more about who we are as a community, as well as when and where we meet, you can visit us online at thegenesisstory.com. Also, if you have benefited from this podcast in any way or would like to participate in what we're doing here at Genesis, would you consider partnering with us by donating online again at www.thegenesisstory.com. There you can select the giving tab and how you would like to contribute to the general fund or even to the building fund. Remember, we can do more together than we can ever do alone. Thanks for taking the time to be with us. God bless. Good morning, everybody. It's good to see you guys here. A few things I want to say. Let me gather my thoughts. Uh, I guess one thing is, last week when I, I talked about the seasons of life and how we shouldn't be surprised and we shouldn't become disheartened when we find ourselves in a season that is difficult because life is made up of these seasons. Um, I received a lot of uh, input back, a lot of thanks from people, direct messages on Facebook, um, thanking me for that message. Uh, And it seemed to touch a nerve with a lot of people where they really were encouraged A lot of people who I'm not in contact with, a lot of people who don't come to Genesis, um, I I almost think there's more people listening online than actually come to Genesis, which I don't know how I feel about that. I guess it's good, but it's like, come on. Uh, We'd love to have you here uh, if you're listening to this. We'd love to have you be a part of our community, but I'm grateful that the things we're encouraging to you, and I really want to kind of stay with this. Next week is actually Palm Sunday, and then we have Easter in just two weeks, but I wanted to kind of stay on top of this idea of seasons and difficulties and the struggles that we have in life, because I think they're a reality that many times we don't understand, uh, we find ourselves in a place questioning, what's going on? Why am I going through these things? And maybe there's more that needs to be found out in these areas. You know, there are things that we know that we know. You might know your birthday. You might know your favorite food, right? We know we know these things. There's things that you know you don't know. I know I don't know how to fly a 747, right? But then there are things that you don't know you don't know. And you say, well, how can I know if I don't know if I don't know? But I think this is where God is able to maybe reveal to us what we need to know about ourselves that we actually don't know. And so this morning, I really want to speak to you on there is more than you know about yourself. And let's pause and let's pray before we start. God, I pray that you would touch our hearts, our lives, that you would 
once again draw us to a deeper understanding, not only of you, but even of us. Lord, maybe our picture of ourself is skewed by what we've heard, by other voices that we've allowed to just contaminate, Lord, our thinking. And I pray that your voice would be clear. And I pray that this time would be helpful in our lives as we desire to know more about what we don't know. And I do ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So this morning, I'm going to talk to you about surprise birthday parties, Juarez, Mexico, Weddings and menstruation, yep, that's right, I said it, playing guitar, National Enquirer, dreams, and Christmas. We got a lot. You guys ready? Okay, good, because here we go. We're starting off in John chapter 1. We're going to start at verses 43 to 51, and I'm going to be reading from the Good News Translation. I am going through different translations, trying to find, again, something that I feel is very natural in how it presents itself and is still a good translation. Uh, And so this is where I'm at today. Who knows where I'll be tomorrow? But right now, the good news translation is what we're going to be going through. And since I know it's a new translation, uh, we put it up on the screen. You can still follow along with whatever other translation you have, but... This is what we're going through today. John 1, verse 43, it says, The next day Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, Come with me. Philip was from Bethsaida, the town where Andrew and Peter lived. Philip found Nathanael and told him, We have found the one whom Moses wrote about in the book of the law and whom the prophets also wrote about. He is Jesus, son of Joseph, from Nazareth. Can anything good come from Nazareth? Nathanael asked. Come and see, answered Philip. When Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him, he said about him, Here is a real Israelite. There is nothing false in him. Nathanael asked him, How do you know me? Jesus answered, I saw you when you were under the fig tree before Philip called you. Teacher, answered Nathanael. You are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus said, do you believe just because I told you I saw you when you were under the fig tree? You will see much greater things than this. And he said to him, I am telling you the truth. You will see heaven open and God's angels going up and coming down on the son of man. When I was about 10 years old, I had a surprise birthday party, and I remember it because it was a surprise. I don't know if it was actually my birthday or not, because I wasn't expecting my birthday. I was upstairs in the apartment where we lived at, and my cousins were downstairs with my mom, and then they called me downstairs. They said, Sam, come here. And I remember walking downstairs, and all the lights were off, and I was like, what's going on? Kind of freaked out. Walked down, and there was a cake with candles lit on it, and they started singing happy birthday to me, and I was like, it's my birthday. And and I remember it to this day because I was not expecting it at all. Here, Philip 
tells Nathanael, the one that Moses talked about, the one the prophets wrote about, the thing that we have as a nation been waiting for, been thinking about, been longing for, is here. Surprise. It's happening now. And it was the kind of thing that was meant to grab his attention. And this is the kind of thing that when it happens, the kind of news that you can't just say, oh yeah, by the way, I ran into this guy, I think he's the anointed one. You have to tell somebody. And so he goes and he tells the people that are closest to him. And you see, that is at the heart of gospel. It is relational. It spreads because people care about people and want to bring them into this party. There's cake. Come on. There's something that we need to celebrate. I'm going to go and tell the people I care about. See, that's what gospel is. That's what this is all about. It has and it always will be relational. It's all about how God touches us and we want to see the same thing happen in other people. And I love in this story how You know, Phillips is so excited. He goes, the one that they've talked about, come and see. It's Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. And he throws in Nazareth. And I love Nathaniel's comment, Nazareth. Can anything good come from Nazareth? Right? I don't know what city you have in your mind as an unpleasant city. The one that came to my mind was Juarez, Mexico. I think because of all the TV shows I've seen on it, right? Where people are getting killed and it's right on the border and it's a dangerous town. And I remember driving to Texas a few times and passing by Juarez, Mexico and thinking, oh, I hope I don't break down here. Like I want to break down anywhere, right? But not here in Juarez. Why? Because it's Juarez, Mexico. I don't think anyone expected this anointed one, this Messiah to be born in Nazareth. He surely should be born in Jerusalem or even Rome, something major. But why in the least place that people would expect? And you see, I I think that the reason God chose Nazareth is because the place where no one really wants to go and no one thinks to go, God says, I will go to wherever I need to go to reach the people who I care about. And so you pick the worst place. I heard that Atalanta is actually worse than war as Mexico, and that's in California. So maybe it's Atalanta. Maybe it's Bakersfield. I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's Wherever it's at, the least place that you think you would want to live or go, God says, I will go to the least place to reach people. And that's where I will start. Where you think no one should go there, that's where I'm going to start. Because at this place, I can begin to do what I'm trying to do. And so the story of Nathaniel begins here with his Nazareth. Why Nazareth? And then it says that Jesus saw him and that long before Nathaniel saw Jesus, 
Jesus actually saw him. And long before maybe you sought after God, God sought after you. And it's important that we understand this because this is where the good news begins. Not with Nathaniel, but with Jesus seeing him. You see, because God sees you. Long before you will see him, he sees you. Long before you will seek after him, he has sought after you. And then his disclosure, the first thing that Jesus says about Nathaniel is, here is a real Israelite. There is nothing false in him. What do you think the first thing God would say about you? It's kind of scary, huh? Like, oh, man, right? I don't know what God would say about me. Uh, You know, we have this voice in our head. And I've had it, I guess, early in my faith journey. My whole idea was kind of a shame-based narrative that I was so bad that God couldn't see me, let alone hear me. That I was so far from God that, you know, he had to kill Jesus just to be able to put up with me. That was my narrative. That was what I had heard. There was a a pastor who was my pastor for a period of time. and, And when we would be at a wedding ceremony. And there would be the husband and and the bride all dressed in white. And and it's a beautiful time and celebration. He would look at the bride and he would say, you know, as beautiful as she is, her righteousness is as filthy rags in the sight of God. And then he would go on to let us know what that meant in the Hebrew, which was a used menstrual garment. Imagine this at a wedding telling the bride, that even though she looks good, she's really just, ta-da, right? This was my narrative. And maybe you've been there too, where it's like, man, you, this is who you are. God cannot stand you. And we take a verse from Isaiah and blanket it over humanity as if that's God's narrative. What about Noah? What about Job? What about Daniel? What about Gideon? What about Melchizedek? What do you do with him? What about Cornelius in Acts chapter 10? These people who are righteous in the sight of God, right? And and this idea of depravity, total depravity. You maybe have heard this where all humanity is in total depravity. We can't even seek God because we are so messed up. And that God is the only one who can seek us because we would never do it on our own. And I don't know about you, but I have a narrative inside of me that says that's not true. I can remember being young and wanting more of my life, wanting to be someone who did the right thing, wanting to be the hero, wanting to be someone who did what was noble. My struggle was what I wanted and who I was was different, but it wasn't that there was no desire there. It was there was no power to fulfill the desires that were there. Where did those desires come from? 
well, yeah, I believe they came from God, but if I was totally depraved, would I have those desires? What about these other people in Scripture that talks about it? And you see, we have to be careful that we don't confuse what people say God thinks about you with what God actually thinks about you. Because you may have that voice in your head thinking the first thing that God would say about me and it's going to be something shameful. And Jesus said, I did not come to this world to judge it, but to save it. You see, Jesus didn't come to beat you up in your problems. He came to pull the image of God that he sees in you, that you don't see in yourself. And maybe those voices have been so loud that you don't even think that image is there. And Jesus is calling it out of you. There is a real Israelite, one in whom there's nothing false in him. God calls out of Nathaniel that which is good, a real Israelite. Now, I imagine everyone around him thought, oh, he might be talking about me. I'm a real Israelite. Because at that time, to be a real Israelite, you just had to be a descendant of Israel, right? And this story is an important one. It's something that Jesus is trying to help them distinguish, that this is not about nationality, it's about personality, that a real Israelite isn't just a descendant of Jacob who became Israel, it's a person who bears an image to what God is wanting to accomplish. And there's an amazing story, right, that just talks about Jacob. The name Jacob means deceiver, I don't know why someone would name their kid Deceiver, right? Maybe they saw him and they said, I know what's coming my way. I can see it in your beady little eyes, right? I don't know what happened, why they call it. or It's just a, hey, I like this name. I mean, we, we do it today, right? We name our kids things and we have no idea what it means. And then it means, you know, dog eyes or something. I don't know. You know, you, you don't even think about it. It's just a nice name and you give it to your kid. And so they named him Jacob and the name means Deceiver, And he turns out whether he was named that and he became that or whether he was that. And that's what his name fit. But Jacob was a deceiver. He deceived his brother. He was constantly being deceptive. He actually deceived his father-in-law who also deceived him. But then in the low part of Jacob's life, when Jacob is going back to his family who he had betrayed when he's running from his father-in-law and his household, and he finds himself in the middle of nowhere, there is this encounter that he has with an angel from God, where he wrestles with this angel. And it's the bizarre story, and whether you want to believe it's a literal story or whether you want to take some learnings from what's happening here and and just see it as an an allegory, 
doesn't really matter. Something powerful is happening in the middle of a desert at the low point of Jacob's life. And he's wrestling with the angel. And then this weird saying, the, the angel says to him, let me go for it's daylight is coming as if he's like some vampire or something. He's going to disintegrate, right? And then Jacob says, I will not let you go until you bless me. And so then the angel says, okay. And it's not like God lost the wrestling match, right? Because then the angel touches his hip and he's like, you know, set out of joint. It's like, well, why didn't you do that in the beginning? You could have won the whole thing. You see, what God is doing is wrestling with Jacob to pull from Jacob what really needs to come back out of him. And he says, you will no longer be called Jacob, deceiver, but you will from now on be called Israel, one who wrestles with God. And I love that story because so many times I have thought faith is about being certain, but I have never been certain in my faith. I have always wrestled with God in my faith and have thought that there was something wrong with it. And then I read a story where God actually wrestles with someone and is what is necessary to pull out of him what is needed. You might be wrestling with your faith. I want you to know you're in a good place and it's okay to wrestle. You're not going to throw God off. Oh, you're wrestling. You don't believe me. Oh, no. You're doubting. You think he's not big enough to deal with all the things that we go through. If he's not, then he's not big enough to worship. He's not big enough to be our God. But just maybe in that time of low, in that time of struggle, in that time of questioning, something is going to grow out of you that could not grow any other way. And it starts to come from us what has actually been in us. It's not that Jacob won. The angel touches him. Something more is going on because he is seeing what is in Jacob. And he is calling what is in Jacob out. You're no longer Jacob. You are now Israel. You know, I used to play guitar every day. And then I haven't played for years. And then I'd pick up a guitar and I'd start playing and it hurt. It didn't used to hurt because I had calluses. I developed calluses where I could play guitar and I could move my hand all around the fingerboard and slide up the strings, no pain at all. Why? Because I developed the calluses to be able to play. It was through that repetition of doing these things that you then be able to actually do more. Same thing with exercise, right? If you're going to run a marathon, you have to run. You've got to sweat. You've got to develop the strength, the endurance. It doesn't just happen. We think it's going to be different with life. I think it is the struggling that makes our faith. It's not the certainty. It's the uncertainty where faith is born. And God saw Nathaniel like he saw 
Israel. Here is a real Israelite, someone who is becoming someone else. There is nothing false in him, he says. Now, Jesus didn't say that he was faultless, but that he was false-less. You see, I think the problem is, and the problem was with the Pharisees, the religious leaders then and with religious leaders today, is there's trying to be a presentation of I'm without fault. Look at I'm living the good, right life. I, I don't do these bad things. I'm really good. But you're not real. It's not who you really are. There is something underneath your playing a part and not being genuine. And God can't do anything if he's not dealing with who you really are. Jesus said, it's the sick who need a physician. I I didn't call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. You see, I, I can't help you if you think you've got no problems. If you know you've got problems and you're real, I'm there. Now we can do something. And that's what God is wanting, is who we really are. See, that's who he's caring about, is who you really are. Not who you think you're supposed to be. Not what you've heard you're supposed to be. Don't let the shame stop you from opening up and letting God know where you're at, the struggles you have, and what's going on, because that's who he wants to see, and that's where the work begins. That's where God pulls the truth out of us. God can work through all kinds of fault, but what he can't do is work through what is false. Jesus finds what's true in Nathaniel and calls it out of him. What would happen if we started doing that? You know, our whole system is based on bad news, right? You've got National Enquirer, you've got TMZ, you've got all the news is bad, right? Because bad news sells. Fear sells. Fear, fear will motivate you to start acting. Bad news will, will cause you to click. Oh, look at so-and-so's in a scandal. Wonder what that is. And you look at it to try and find out more bad news. What, happened, what would happen if all we did was report the good news? Today, the Speaker of the House bought candy from a little kid who was selling it. Today, President played with his kids and had a very good moment, right? That wouldn't make news. We'd, ah, I don't want to hear about that. Give me some dirt. What if you saw someone, and instead of trying to find what's wrong with them, even if someone you disagree with, try to pull out of them what is good? Try to bring something that's encouraging. Try to help them out. Hey, I saw you. You're like, what, what? No, I saw you being generous to that person over there. I saw you give up that parking space. I know, let's not go too far, right? (laughs) What if we actually saw and pulled out of people the things that were commendable? We became people that encouraged really one another to love and good deeds. What would happen then? Jesus didn't come to judge. He didn't come to beat the sin out of you, but to pull the image of God from you. Verse 48, Nathanael said to him, how do you know me? And I wonder the tone that he had. Like, 
really? You think you know me? Because that's how I deal with things, right? It's like someone goes, hey, I know you. It's like, who are you? You think you know me? You don't know me. People say something, you don't know me. Yeah, I know you. You don't know me. You don't know what I've been through. I get very defensive, like, who do you think you are? You don't know me. You don't know what I've been through. You don't know the the trials I've gone through, the hardship. You don't know I used to be. Anyway, he says, I saw you when you were under the fig tree. Now, what's crazy is this is enough to make Nathaniel go from, how do you know me, to, oh, my gosh, you're the Messiah, just because he says this, right? Like, what's going on under the fig tree? Now, A fig tree would be a place where they could go and find shade from the heat. It would be a place where you can kind of go and escape the elements. It would be a place where you can kind of be actually secluded. You could hide underneath the umbrella of that fig tree. And it's a place where in the quiet of his own mind, God is hearing him. I think... That before Philip called Nathaniel, Nathaniel was calling out to God. And Jesus is saying, I saw you. When you were there by yourself calling out to me, I was there listening to you. And I think Nathaniel was surprised that God actually heard him. I think we get surprised many times thinking that God actually hears us. Have you ever been in a conversation or an argument with someone where the other person is talking both for you and for them? It's called marriage. (laughs) Where your narrative is so loud that you don't hear the other person's. I didn't okay this with my wife, so I may be in trouble and eating alone after this. But my wife has had dreams where she wakes up mad at me. Right? She wakes up and she's like, hit me. I mean, not punch me in the face, but just like hit me on the shoulder. Like, and I'm like, what? She goes, I can't believe you. I'm like, what? I'm just sleeping. I'm pretty sure I'm okay when I'm sleeping. Yeah, but how could you do that? Do what? In my dream. In my dream, you did this. And I'm like, wait a second. How am I responsible for what happens in your dream? That was, that's all you. What happens in your dream is your mind doing these things, not me. Well, don't do it again. Okay. Right? And so many times we, we have the narrative in our mind of what's going on that we are having the conversation for both people. And I think we do this with God. I think we do this with God as well where we think, this is what God thinks of me. This is what I have to do. This is what God is doing for me. He's punishing me because I've done this wrong and I haven't done this and God's displeased. And the reason I'm in this place is because of this, this, and this. And God is saying, hello, you're in your own mind and that's not my voice. But we have it so loud that we've tuned the voice of God and the heart of God out because all we hear is the shame that is pushing down 
what God is trying to pull out. And we're thinking, I'm not like that. I could never do that. And this is wrong with me. And this is wrong with me. And this is wrong with me. And we're having both the conversations, that of God and that of ourselves. Because if you're being judged or condemned, it is not the voice of God. Let me say that again. If you are being judged or condemned, it is not the voice of God. It's your own voice or maybe a voice that's been put in your mind by someone else who said, you're filthy rags and you're holding on to this. And it is not the voice of God. And he's trying to pull something more out of us. You think your life is supposed to be easier. You think your life is supposed to be free from struggles. And really what you need to do is wrestle with God. Be touched by God and to be crippled by God. But if you will allow that to happen, it can break us out of the self-deception and bring out what is true. God will transform you from that self-deception to genuine struggle. (laughs) Oh boy, God's going to pull me into struggle. Wouldn't it be better to go through struggle and become genuine than to have it easy and live a false life? But to be good... At guitar, you have to practice. To be able to run a marathon, you have to run, period. You have to sweat. You have to struggle. You have to grow in life. You have to wrestle with God as he makes of us what only he can. All those ideas that you have of what you could be that you keep failing to become, God is wanting to help you get there. And he will bring the struggle and the fortitude to get us there. A lot of times this idea of God and this idea of repentance is one like Christmas, where if I'm not good enough, I don't get the presence. And so we start to think of repentance as, I got to stop being bad so I can get something that is good. But that's not what it was thought of early on. When Jesus said, repent, he then said, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. In other words, repent is to change your mind. It wasn't change your mind, otherwise, you know, all these bad things are going to just keep happening. It was change your mind because something Amazing is within your grasp, but you need to change the way you think in order to obtain it. So it's not repent from all these bad things. Otherwise, you get no pudding. How can you have your pudding if you haven't eaten your beets? Sorry. You can't get this good stuff because you are bad and repentance is Good is right within your grasp. Just change how you see things. And maybe the first thing you need to change, I need to change, is how we see ourselves. 
and see that Jesus sees you, the real you, and does not judge or condemn you, but wants to pull truth out of you because he wants to be close with you. That the kingdom of heaven is within your grasp. In verse 49, Daniel says, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. And Jesus says to him, he doesn't say, yeah, you got it right. It's almost like he just puts that aside, right? Nathaniel says, man, you're the one. You are indeed that, that Messiah, the, the anointed one, the one we've been waiting for, the one the whole nation has been looking for. You're that. And Jesus says, oh, okay, let, let's go on. Verse 50 says, do you believe just because I told you I saw you when you were under the fig tree, you will see much greater things than this. And he said to them, I am telling you the truth. You will see heaven open and God's angels going up and down on the son of man. And I read that verse and it's just like, man, that's kind of a bizarre verse. But you see, I think what Jesus is saying, you know, this place that you think is so far, this kingdom, this heaven, this God who is so distant. I'm telling you, I am going to make that so they are in the same place. You are going to see the angels ascending, descending on the Son of Man. It is going to be something there within your grasp. It is going to be something that is there present for you right now, but it is not so far away that you cannot reach it. It is not in a distance that you can't attain it, that it's actually right here, and I'm going to put it in your midst. I'm going to put it right before you. Happy birthday. Surprise. This isn't far away. Everything that you have desired of your life is able to meet you right here, and I'm here to bring you to it because you can't get there by yourself. You need help. We all need help. And I am here to help. Blow those candles out. Let's open some gifts. It's your birthday. I don't know all of your story, but I remember mine. I can remember being haunted by who I was not and who I wanted to be and struggling because no matter how much and hard I tried, I still failed. And shame was just a part of my life, even though I don't know if I knew to call it that. And to be invited to a relationship with God by Jesus and saying, you're with me, let's go. Changed everything. That's what repentance is. I I changed the way I saw myself. I changed the way I saw God. And now I'm being invited into this. And it's a struggle. But it's real. 
and I will take the struggle and let God know all of my failings, all of the things that I disappoint in because I do not want to remain Jacob. I want to wrestle and become someone new. I do not want to live by myself. I want the voice of God in me. I want the strength of God in me. And I'd rather walk through life with a limp close to God because I am real than pretend I'm something that I'm not. And I hope you see that you are more than you know. That God recognizes what is in you and he's calling it out of each one of us. Don't allow his voice to be drowned out by your own or by someone else's that you've heard. Allow it to penetrate your life and change who we are. Let's pray. Lord God, I ask that you would continue what you have begun in us, that your voice would grow within our hearts and in our lives, that we would not allow fear to stop us from stepping towards the God who is for us that we would not allow shame to drown out what you see in us. And Father, I do pray for those who are here and are wrestling, struggling in their lives and in their faith, wondering about you, wondering where you are. Lord, I am grateful for the struggle. And I pray that you would give them perseverance and you would allow this struggle of life to produce something that is going to last. Lord, I do thank you for the person of Christ who is able to do in me what I could not do by myself. I thank you for the example of Christ that helps me to see who you are clearly, that you are not here to judge, you are not here to condemn. You are here to save, and you're here to save me from myself, from my inabilities. So God, we want to be genuine before you. Lord, may you see within us what is true. And might there not be anything false in us, even though that might make us feel naked and bare. Lord, that is what you see. That is who you love. And that is where we start. May we start here with you. Let's stand together. May you believe you are who God says you are. May you understand that he wants what is true. 
May there be nothing false found in you. And take comfort knowing that God loves you just as you are, right where you are. And this is where his work begins. God bless you guys. Have a wonderful week. You have been listening to the Genesis Podcast. We invite you to join us at one of our weekly gatherings. You can find more information at www.thegenesisstory.com as well as opportunities to help financially support this podcast. Thank you for listening.